are, Lord, and uh, in that alone we could sing praises forevermore. And Father God, uh, I ask for all of us tonight that you'd open up our hearts, you'd open up our minds to hear you. Father, that uh, you would just rebuke my flesh, humble my heart before you, and let your spirit work and speak tonight, Father. Speak the message you have for these people and their lives, Lord, and let us all grow in you as one body in Christ. Amen. All righty. Turn with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5, or for some of you, my brother will be turning for you, and that's okay. So the message for tonight is the story of two storms. And if some of you are thinking right now, trying to figure out where that story in the Bible is, don't waste your time because it's just a name I made up. Anyways, so before we get into it, we're going to be in Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26. But I want to back up a little bit, and I want to read for you the last two verses of our message last week, starting in verse 13, where Paul writes, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So we ended our message last week with these um, few commands. You know, we're given commands to love one another, to serve each other in that love, and not to use our liberty as an opportunity for our flesh. Okay? So tonight, we're pretty much just going to expand on that idea. We're going to talk about the works of the flesh, um, the opportunities that the flesh wants to take, and how we can, uh, how we can fight that, right? So Galatians 5, 16 through 26, let's go ahead and read that together. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evidence, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So let's back up here, and let's start back in verse 16, and let's just pick this apart a little bit. You know, it's interesting. It starts by saying, 
Paul tells us, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now what that tells me is that, uh oh, I got I to gotta free up a little bit. What that tells me is our life really boils down to two options, right? That's it, two options. Day to day, moment to moment, the, there's this reality of our life. That we can either walk in the spirit or we can walk in our flesh. And unfortunately, there's, there's no middle ground, right? There's not this gray area where we can be like, well, you know, we're spiritual, but, you know, we're just going to come over here just a little bit. We're just going to, you know. It's okay because, you know, I go to church on Wednesdays, right? So we good. Can you, uh, Daniel, can you turn down that first knob just a little bit? The big knob on the bottom black box. Turn my volume down a little bit because uh, I want to walk around and talk like a madman and I need lower volume. Okay. <clears throat> so we have two options. Walk in the spirit, walk in the flesh. There's no middle ground. Well, that makes things really easy for us, right? I mean, we just walk in the spirit and we're good. We're done. End of story. Sounds good, right? How many of y'all think it's that easy? No hands? Okay. It's not quite that easy. But why is that? Why is that an issue? Well, let's read verses 17 through 18. He goes on to say, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these things are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So we see here, not just the fact that we have two options, but that they're very contrary options. But even that, if it was that simple, it would be easy, okay? Not that they're just contrary, but that these two, these two things in your life are actually at war with one another inside of you. It says that they actually lust against one another, right? So there's this internal battle happening every day, and, and the flesh and the spirit are at war for your life. And this is something that's never going to end, by the way, okay? And if you prove me wrong on that, please come let me know, and I will get on your plan. Okay, it'll, it'll end when we go to heaven. I stand corrected. All right. So this is where the story of two storms begins for us, okay? Because I want to get real um, creative, okay? I want you to bust out your little mental paintbrushes. No? Is it, are you shaking no? You don't want to do that? Oh, okay. He's good. He's good. He's good to go. He's got his ready. Okay, bust out your mental paintbrushes. I want you to imagine with me for a second, whatever it looks like to you, that there are two forces warring within you. One is the Spirit of God. One is your own natural tendencies. Okay? Both of these forces, however, are massive, powerful forces stirring up against each other inside your, inside your life. Okay. The, the problem, however, is there's only room for one. So I want you to imagine, if you will, that these are two tornadoes, two, two massive storms, two tornadoes inside of you, fighting for control, and one is called the flesh. And this is where I went a little too far with my creative ideas, right? Because this flesh, this is an F5 bad boy National Geographic special edition tornado of absolute destruction. And yes, I did have fun writing that. 
okay? And it is going through, and it wants nothing more but to destroy and wreck everything in your life and keep you down and as far from Christ as possible. That is its number one goal. And it feels great. feels great doing that, right? But when these tornadoes start building up, like I said, there's only room for one. One has to take control, and one will lead your life in, in the direction it wants to go. But when one of them starts to take over, it becomes very visible in our life. There are things that come out, things that are visible aspects of our life that will tell us which one of those is winning on the inside. Okay? And Paul goes on to describe it here. He says in verse 19 through 20, 21, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, okay? Being married and sleeping with someone who you're not married with or sleeping with someone who is married, even if you're not. Fornication, that's sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, right? So putting things before God, worshiping other things, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, even selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and he ends with and the like, and so on and so forth. Okay, so he's painting an, a, a picture here, and he's saying, okay, I think this list is good enough. I think you can add on to the issues yourself, right? Is that verse 21? Let me see. Yes, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the works of our life, the things, the actual things that we do in our lives, they show us which, which storm is winning, right? The outcomes are visible, they're evident, they're physical. And the scriptures say it says plainly that when we practice these things, Right? When we continue in adultery, when we continue in jealousies, when we continue in outbursts of wrath and selfish ambitions and heresies and drunkenness, revelries, and these things, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is where people will argue, and lots of people with lots of crazy ideas, rather they're in the church or not. Right? I had a, I had a girl a couple weeks ago tell me that the Holy Spirit was the universe. I didn't even know what to say to that. That was just ridiculous. Anyways, so this is where people would argue, well, you know, we all sin, and we're all just saved by grace, and it really doesn't matter. Right? I actually, Courtney, as my witness, heard a guy with a master's degree from Harvard stand up and tell an entire room full of about 150 people that, you know, you can do whatever you want. God loves you so much, and he's just going to bless your decision. Because after all, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they didn't die. I almost fell out of my chair at that stupid comment, right? My gosh, that boy needs to read his Bible. But some people say, well, we're just, we're, we all sin, you know, it's no big deal. And you know what? Yeah, they're, they're right. We all sin, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall, and the flesh, the storm, 
this destructive tornado inside you is always, always going to be stirring you up to do those things you don't want to do or the things the Spirit doesn't want to do, right? But, but, there is a greater storm within us. There is a greater power within us, and it is literally the Spirit of God. And it's that spirit that makes the argument, well, you know, we're all just sinners and it's all good and valid. Because it's God's spirit that convicts us. Okay? How many of, how many of you before tonight have done something on that list and knew it was wrong before me telling you? Okay. So this isn't new news, right? Oh, here, let me raise my hand too. All right, not new news, right? It is God's spirit that guides us. He convicts us and he gives us the power to overcome those desires. And so now we walk in this new reality that, wait a minute, we have a choice. We can actually say, no, I don't want to do that. And by God's spirit, we don't have to. Ain't that cool? So what it comes down to is we have to look at our lives. We have to ask ourselves a question. Which one of those powers are we going to let rule our lives? Because it's a constant battle, and there's only room for one. Which one are we going to let rule? Right? And it's, it's, it's a very serious question, a very se serious thing that we have to decide, right? Now, notice it also doesn't say that those who sin will not enter the kingdom of God, because otherwise we'd all, be, we'd all be screwed. But it says that those who practice these things, those who practice in the work of the flesh will not enter. So what does it mean then, we have to ask, what does it mean to practice sin? What does it mean to practice allowing your desires to take over in your life? Okay? So what does it mean if Josh says, you know what, I'm going to go practice a guitar for a while. I'm going to learn. What if Hagen is going to say, you know, I'm going to go practice. I'm going to go practice soccer. I'm going to go practice football. If, we, if I was going to practice for a speech, what does that imply? First of all, it means we're going to look for the means and the opportunity, right? Okay. We're going to look for the means and the opportunity. So it starts with a desire and with an intention where sin always starts with a desire and an intention, right? But then to practice states that there is this action of repetition over and over and over again. You know, I've been trying to learn this stupid thing over here, and uh, I don't have much time to pour into it, so it's not the most effective practice. But, you know, when I first picked it up, it was kind of scary, kind of uh, painful, there are things going on, but the more I've practiced it, right, I've had to do it over and over and over again and practice the chords again and again. And each time I, I play now, my fingers start to hurt a little bit less. So picking up the guitar doesn't hurt quite as much, right? The songs are just getting comfortable now, these transitions I'm making. And it's starting to get to the point where there's a couple of songs I can play, and it's almost natural. 
right? It's just natural. Now, that sounds great if you're playing the guitar, okay? But when it comes to sin, this is an issue. Because when we are drawn away by our selfish motives and we allow ourselves over and over and over again to walk in the flesh rather than choose the Spirit of God, the issue that results is that each time it starts to hurt a little less. You know, each time it gets a little bit easier and suddenly it becomes comfortable in the lifestyles and these actions that God hates. And not that just that God hates, but that is going to cause destruction in our lives. They become natural. They become natural. How many of you... <laughs> What a stupid analogy. I got nothing else, okay. How many of you would, would, be, would be happy if your natural reaction to a hot burner was to stick your hand on it? And every time you were in the kitchen, you, you knew you were going to have to physically restrain yourself to going, Kssst. that would not be a pleasant experience, right? Every time, we, every time we fall into the lust of our flesh, it makes our flesh desire it a little bit more. It makes it a little bit easier the second time, right? I know, I know men, in fact, I've been the guy who God has delivered them from something, you know, maybe it's uh, drugs or alcohol or porn or whatever it is, and they are scot-free for a year, two years. They feel like they're on top of the world, and then one time, one time they fall into that, and suddenly it's a snare. And now something that they haven't thought about in years, they can't get it out of their head, and they're struggling day in and day out to try and get away from it. That is the issue of sin. It becomes comfortable and it tries to overtake your life. Right? James 1.15 tells us a little bit about desire and sin. It says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth what? death. But let's take a look at verse 16. What does Paul say? I say then walk in the spirit and what you shall not fulfill those lusts. You don't have to walk feeling defeated. You don't have to walk in things that are tearing you up. You don't have to walk in the things that are literally destroying your life. Destroying your life. We can have victory in Christ. When we, allow the sp when we allow the Spirit, rather than our own desires, to move, to take control, when we, when we allow God to decide how we live, rather than our great, brilliant ideas, which I had plenty of and didn't get me anywhere. I'm pretty confident yours probably didn't either. When we allow God to, de to decide that, then we start to see the power of that second storm taking over in our hearts, right? Now, this, the second storm is called the Holy Spirit, okay? And he comes with healing. He comes with restoration. He comes with cooling winds. Now, imagine for a second. Let's go back to my fancy little tornado story. Y'all are probably trying to figure out where it came from. I want you to imagine the land. I know what mine looks like. Maybe yours is a city, a town, a country, folk, place. I don't know. 
And I want you to imagine this place where a tornado has come through year after year after year, and it just came through and just destroyed everything. The buildings are crumbled, right? The crops are torn up. The trees are broken down. And I want you just to imagine this, this ravaged land. And I want you to imagine the people that are living there that have nothing, them crying out to God, and suddenly God sends another tornado. I don't know why it's green in my head, but it is. <laughs> and God sends another tornado, but as it's going through the land, instead of destruction, it's picking up the pieces. It's putting things back together. And as that, as that storm passes over the land, not only are the buildings rebuilt, the land restored, but what's made is made new. And it's greater than anything that was there before. That'd be a pretty cool National Geographic show right there. That is the work of God's Spirit. When we let him take over, he goes through and he restores those things in our life that are broken. He pulls out those things what are, which are causing destruction, right? And he, he heals us. He heals our hearts. He heals our relationships. And if we are condemned in practicing sin, then it only makes sense that we should seek a life by practicing righteousness. And the only way we can do that is in Christ, guys, right? Only by his spirit. And just as the things of the flesh are evident, so are the things of the spirit evident in our lives. Verses 22 through 23 tells us how we can know if we're walking in the spirit, right? It gives us things that we can, we can really look at and say, do I have this in my life? And it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. It's joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. One of the things I tell people all the time, right, is this is such an important tool. Can you go back one verse, please? Go back one more. Okay. What I love about this, everybody here know what a litmus test is? Okay. So you got the little test strips, put it in the pool, changes colors, you know what I'm saying, like pH test, something. Okay, anyways. <laughs> this is our test right here. This is something that we can memorize or we can bookmark and we can go back to it day after day, week after week, and we can say, do I have these things in my life? And if the answer is no, then there is something that is going on. There is something that is getting in the way of us walking in God's spirit, right? Because the fact that it says the fruit of the spirit means it is a natural outcome. And when, if we don't have peace, we need to say, what is, what's in the way of that? If we don't have joy, if we don't have love or faithfulness or kindness or goodness, that is a red flag to us to say there's something missing, right? But it's also interesting because he says that if we live, oh, I'm sorry, um, doo -doo 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 -doo. at the end of that, it says, against such things, there is no law. So what that tells me is if we're, we have a life led by the Spirit of Christ, there's no law. Well, if there's no law, there's no trespasses, Right? If there's no trespasses, there's no judgment. 
And if there's no judgment, what do we have to fear? What do we have to fear? The only thing left is to receive. To receive blessing, to receive guidance, to receive all these fruits, and of course, eternal life by walking in the Spirit. And these things are evident in our life, and they'll tell us really where we are with Christ. Right? Can I, um, we're, we're about to go into our last section, and we'll close. But I want to share a story with y'all. I thought it was interesting in a negative Negative way. But uh, so I was at a, I was at a um, Christian gathering this last week, and they were talking about Peter. Everybody familiar with Peter? Anyways. So Peter, you know, he's constantly sticking his foot in his mouth and doing these things. And at one point he says, you know, you know what, Jesus? Everybody else may deny you. Everybody else may turn away, but not me, Jesus. I will be with you unto death. And Jesus says, oh, yeah? Before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. And sure enough, he denies Jesus three times, and he hears the rooster crow. And he remembers Jesus' words, and he goes out and weeps bitterly because he betrayed the Savior of the world. Now, later on in the story, after Jesus is risen, he tells Marys, the Marys to go and to, to call for the disciples and for Peter. And for Peter. And then we have this episode where, where he comes to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? If so, feed my sheep. And he restores Peter. He's waiting for Peter. He loves Peter, even though. And so in this group, we were talking about what are the ways that, that we were like Peter. And we were having people talk about, well, I knew I needed to, to share Christ, but I was too afraid. And I feel like I, be, I, I betrayed my faith. Or, or this one guy said, you know, my dad goes out and he gives, away, he gives out crosses to just everybody. He says, sometimes I feel like I don't even want to be around this guy. I'm embarrassed. And he said, I realized, man, why am I embarrassed of my faith? And so we were, they were stirring everybody out. It was a great message. Talk about let's not, let's not be like that anymore. And um, right after we were praying and everything, and we had two groups, guys and the girls, and I told the guys, I said, hey, guys, you know, it was a great message. Um, now, guess what? I'm going to go out. I'm going to go walk. And before I go home, I'm going to go share my faith with a couple of people. Well, one of you come with me. You don't have to say a word. Just come with me. Now, we just got through this great message, right? You know, go and don't be afraid and don't do this and yeah. And, it, well, you know, you know, I got to get up and, uh, you know, all, all these things. And they ended up being there, like, far longer than I was out witnessing. But there is every reason in, in the world why they shouldn't go. Now, the reason I tell that story is because in, at, in the church or in, in our meeting, right, Oh, man, yeah, we were all in agreement. That's all how we should live our life. Yeah, it's all right. We're not going to do these things. But the moment, here's the opportunity. No one. And uh, I think that in church, guys, sometimes we feel uh, as long as we're, we're showing up, as long as we can learn something new, we feel fulfilled in our dedication to Christ. And I feel comfortable saying that to you because I can look back on my own life and say, man, I, probably, I lived in that for a long time. Every time I showed up and I learned something and I learned something and I was like, man, I'm on fire for God because I learned something. And that was it. That was the only Christian part of my life. 
So the reason, again, the reason I say that is because a lot of times we can say, yeah, I'm, I'm this and I'm that and I'm on point and I'm doing well. But really, guys, we have to look at this. We have to look at God's word, the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. And when we look at that, let your life, whatever one it reflects, let, let the word of God tell you how you're doing in your life. Right? Verses 24 through 26. These are our final couple of verses. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Guys, if we live in the spirit and those of us who have Christ do, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited. Let us not provoke each other. Let us not envy one another. Let us walk in the spirit. We have crucified our flesh with Christ. It should be dead. And you know what? Let us leave it dead. Let's leave it dead. As Christians, as the church, as the body of Christ, we have to be, conf- we need to start being consistent, you know, maybe not with in front of the whole church, but maybe find someone in here that you can have a relationship with and start being consistent in confession. And we need to be consistent in our fellowship. We need to be consistent in praying and reading and obedience and practicing these things that put us right before God. And whatever remnants of our flesh is left or, or anything that rises up, man, we got to consider what Jesus did. we got to nail those things to the cross. Boom. Nail it to the cross. And let that... Um, anyways, I say all this really to encourage you, right? I want to encourage you to keep your eyes on Christ. And I want you to seek him in a way that you're going to let his spirit lead you and do things that, guess what, are going to be uncomfortable, especially if you're new to your faith. They're going to be uncomfortable. But let God lead you. Let him speak to you. And these fruits that we're talking about, they'll start being, they'll start being the reality of your life. They'll be consistent in your life. And when that happens, man, you're in a whole new world, I promise you, right? And let that mighty storm of the Holy Spirit sweep through everything. Let it restore order, Okay? And if we lack in any of these areas that we're talking about, guys, let's ask God who gives wholeness and correction. Because guess what? We all, we all need it. We all need it. Myself included. I was talking to one last story, and we'll end. I was talking to Derek again. Like I said, we were talking about different things. And, uh, you know, one of the things that happens is when we mess up and we know we mess up, you know what Satan says? Man, you pathetic little punk, you know, or, oh, you're going to go to church after that? You're going to call yourself a Christian? And I know for me, um, uh, the last time I felt like that, I messed up, man, and, and I left the house, and um, Satan was telling me, oh, and you're going to go witness? You, you're going to go witness now? And I'll tell you what, if that don't f- make you feel like junk, you're probably dead. <laughs> and you know what I had to do? I had to pray, and I had to bring back the scriptures to my mind, and uh, repent, and say, you know what? I know that I am forgiven. I know I'm a child of God, and I don't want to hear your junk. And I went out and witnessed, and God did mighty things that day, even in my failure. Do not let Satan overcome. Let God's Holy Spirit come and restore order. And let's pray. 
Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for who you are and, and, and what you do, Father God. And, and your purpose is not to, to shame us and to, and to say, man, look at this and look at that and, and just have us feel guilty, Father God. Your, your purpose is to show us these things so that you can replace pain with joy, Father God, that you can renew us in strength, that you can give us um, hearts that exalt you, Father God. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I ask for everyone here that the fruits of your spirit would be the reality, Lord. That, that you would just pour out a cup of your blessing into their hearts. Father God, that if there's anything getting in the way of, of you and them, that they would repent of that, that they'd take that to you, Lord. Because the work you did on the cross was enough. But Lord, that you would let them walk by your spirit. And Lord, you would teach them to hear your voice. And for all of us, that we would do those things that please you. So, Father God, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Daniel, can you play that last song one more time?